Well, we want to wish all the moms watching today a very happy Mother's Day. Uh, we are so grateful for you. And we just hope today is, is an awesome day for you, a special, a special tribute to you. You know, as I start this message, I want us to think about one question. What kind of legacy am I going to leave? Not just for moms. This isn't just targeting moms. It's for all of us to think about. And you know, a spiritual legacy is like spiritual inheritance that you're leaving to your, to your children, to those who know you after you're gone. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? If you want to leave a legacy of faith, but every night you're watching the game or you're watching The Bachelor or Bachelorette, it's probably not going to happen. If you want to leave a legacy of joy and gratitude, but every morning your focus is on all the things in your life that are going wrong, that's probably not going to happen. If you want to leave a legacy of encouragement as a person with a positive, faith-filled spirit, but if you're constantly focusing on what everyone else is doing that's wrong and what they need to do to make you happy, you probably won't leave that kind of legacy. If you want to leave a legacy of love, but if you're more focused on collecting possessions than connecting with people, then love isn't the legacy you're going to leave. If you want to know what the legacy is that you will leave, look at what you focus on the most. I think it's important to periodically hit the pause button and slow down and examine the things that I'm focusing on or what we're focusing on as a church. And we're going to do that. We're going to pay attention to that. So Paul writes the letters of 1st and 2nd Timothy to a young man by the name of Timothy. And Paul's transitioning the leadership of the church at Ephesus, and he's transitioning the leadership to Timothy. So he's focused on Timothy, and he's telling him, you need to focus on this church, and this will mean that you're going to have to have some difficult conversations, conversations that will be uncomfortable, that people won't necessarily want to have or want to hear what you have to say. It means you're going to challenge people to focus on what really matters. So focusing means that you're going to have to pay closer attention to what God thinks rather than what other people think. Well, today... We're going to look at 2 Timothy as Paul challenges Timothy to focus. He's going to point Timothy to the legacy that he received from his mother and his grandmother. This is good for us, especially on Mother's Day, to see how a mom and a grandmother had so much influence on one of the most significant leaders in the first century church. What they did to have influence, what they did to have an impact, and then to see the legacy that they left and how that applies to everyone, not just moms and grandmas. We all have a legacy that we get to leave. In 2 Timothy, the first chapter, starting with verse 5, if you have your Bible or, or your device you want to follow along, Paul talks to Timothy here about his mother and his grandmother. Listen to what he says. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. What Paul's saying here is what I saw in them, Timothy, I see in you. And what I see in you is no accident. It's there because of the legacy that they left you. 
He goes on in verses six and seven, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So Paul tells Timothy, you have a legacy, a legacy that was left you, and now it's your time to live your legacy. When I read Paul talking about Timothy's grandmother, it makes me think about my grandmothers. My mom's mom was my grandma Virgie. And when we would go to Grandma Virgie's house, one thing you would notice there is she, she always had books everywhere. And they were good books, not, not trashy, cheap books. These were good books. You see, my grandmother was a school teacher, and her whole life she was always learning. Well, the Bible was a central part of her learning. And not only was she learning, but she lived out what she learned. Let me give you one small example of what I mean by that. My grandma was part of a quilting group that she would often host at her home. And when her mother, my great-grandma Jane, was still alive, she would come and she would quilt with the ladies. But my grandma Jane was in her 90s, and her eyesight was not very good at that point. And so her quilting stitches were not quite up to specs with the group. You know, quilting by hand is a very meticulous art form. And Grandma Jane's stitches just didn't pass muster. But here's what my Grandma Virgie would do. She would let her mom quilt all afternoon with the group. And then when everyone had left, then she would go back and she would take out all the stitches that her mom had put in and requilt that section just so her mom could be part of the group. My Grandma Virgie was a woman of deep kindness and graciousness. She was a living example of quiet grace. Well, my dad's mom, her name was Laura. But somewhere along the way, somebody called her Grandma Wilkie, short for Wilkinson, and it stuck. Grandma Wilkie was, without a doubt, a prayer warrior. My dad said she actually had a literal prayer closet in her home. And she prayed like God was hard of hearing. He said the neighbors knew what was on my mom's prayer list. She prayed so loudly. Well, when I made my decision to go to Bible college, it just happened a few weeks before the semester started. So I didn't have a lot of time. Right before I left for college, I made a trip to see my grandma Wilkie to tell her about my news. When I told her I was going to study for the ministry, to say she was overjoyed is to put it mildly. She was so excited. See, she told me that she'd been praying for over 20 years for God to raise up a preacher in our family. I had just turned 18. It blew my mind when she told me that. Trust me, I felt some pressure not to let my grandmother down. I'm so thankful for the legacy of these two women the way they set the tone for our families. They weren't perfect, but they were a tremendous blessing to me through the legacy that they left. Let me give you a key point for this talk. The legacy you receive doesn't have to be the legacy you leave. Some of you need to hear that because you're hearing me talk about these great legacies I got from my grandmothers. 
But you're thinking, the legacy that you received isn't anything like what I'm talking about. The legacy you received will be the legacy you leave. That's what you're thinking. But the good news is this. The gospel, it changes everything. The legacy you receive doesn't have to be the legacy you receive. It doesn't have to be the legacy you leave. God can redeem the legacy you received and give you a legacy to leave that is completely different from the one you received. So let me ask this question. Who determines the legacy you receive? Not you. Other people do. People who, frankly, you probably would like to blame for some things. Think about it. People who made certain decisions or commitments. People who had difficult and different kinds of struggles and all kinds of failures. Their actions from the past determine the legacy that you received. But the legacy you leave, it doesn't have to be the legacy you received. It can be very different from that. I think for most of us, the legacy we receive is probably a combination of both blessing and burden. Some things, some things about that legacy are good and other things are not so good. So what legacy that you received will you focus on? The good or the not so good? Well, Paul challenges Timothy to focus on the legacy of his mother and his grandmother. Do you notice, though, in all of this discussion, who is not mentioned? There's somebody who's not in the picture here. Yeah, you probably guessed it. It's Timothy's dad. Paul doesn't say anything about his dad. And if you do a little bit of research, you go to Acts, the 16th chapter, it talks about Timothy's dad. We don't know his name, but we know he's a Greek, meaning that he wasn't a follower of the one true God. He wasn't a follower of Jesus Christ. So what do you have if he's not there? Well, what you have is one of the most significant church leaders in the history of the first century church being raised by a mother and a grandmother to know and follow Jesus without any influence from his dad. Now, where was his dad? Well, some commentators think that his dad had passed away, which if that's the truth, then it's possible that Timothy was raised by a single mom with some help from her, his grandmother. But most likely, his dad, he was there, he just wasn't a believer. Timothy probably grew up in a home where there were competing legacies, and he had to decide which one to focus on. His mother was a follower of Jesus. His father was indifferent at best, but most likely he was antagonistic to the gospel. You know, for some of you, that's the situation that you're in. If I can say just one word to the moms who are watching, who are carrying the spiritual weight for their families, I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't think that God can't use you to pass on a legacy of faith to your kids. He can use whoever he wants to to do whatever he chooses to. And here's Timothy, the leader of the church who grew up without a father's spiritual influence, yet he had a dramatic impact on the kingdom of heaven. If God can use Timothy, he can use every one of us. You know, it's interesting, if you look at Scripture from cover to cover, and you wonder 
Is there a good example of a family in this book? I mean, in the whole Bible, is there one family that figured it out, how to do this thing, family, this family thing right? Is there one family that you could point to in all the Bible and say, that's the family to model after? The answer is no. There isn't. There's not one family like that. You won't find one family like that in the Bible. In fact, Eugene Peterson, well-known author and speaker, said, the search of Scripture turns up one rather surprising truth. There are no exemplary families. No one single family is portrayed as the model family for all of us to look up to. Peterson goes on, he says, the biblical material consistently portrays the family not as a Norman Rockwell group beaming in gratitude around a Thanksgiving turkey, but as a series of broken relationships in need of redemption. That's what you find in the Bible. And not to be all that surprised, that's what you find in family rooms and living rooms all around this country. There are no perfect families. There are no exemplary families. Now, you might see a family and you look at them and you go, man, they got marriage figured out. (laughs) But they don't. They figured out how to make you think they got it figured out, but they don't have it figured out. Or you may look at their kids and go, man, I wish my kids were like that. Hold on. Give it time. Give it some time. Their kids are going to screw up. I promise. We're all sinners. We're all fall short of the glory of God. So some of you will say, I don't think I can leave that kind of legacy because, Monty, you don't understand. I came from a broken family. Let me, let me give you just a little bit of insight. None of us came from a perfect family. In fact, we all came from a broken family in one way or another. Now, could your story top someone else's story? Maybe, maybe. You might think, hey, Monty, it's easy for you to say all these, these things because you didn't have the mom that I did. You didn't have the dad that I did, and that's true. You could go down that path, but at some point, you're going to have to decide that the legacy you leave is going to be different than the legacy you received. And so Paul writes to Timothy, and he reminds him of this legacy that came from his mother and his grandmother And also, if you catch this, Paul went out of his way to invest in and pour into this young man, Timothy. He was like a spiritual father to him. So Paul sees this young man with all this potential to have been taught Scripture from the time he was a young, young, very young man, but there's no male spiritual influence in his life. So Paul says, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to focus on this kid. And he starts investing in him, showing showing him the ropes, spiritually speaking. Men, what would it look like if that was one of the decisions we made this Mother's Day? That as a church, we were going to recognize the challenge that a lot of single moms are dealing with. We're going to to recognize the challenges that a lot of students in this church that come from a single parent family are having to face. Mom is present spiritually, but dad is absent. And we decide that we're going to step up and fill in the gap. What would it look like if we were to take some responsibility like Paul did with Timothy Now, Timothy's mom and his grandma laid a great foundation for all of that to leave this great legacy of faith. 
Leaving a legacy of faith means committing ourselves to God's word. That's going to be the foundation that we lay. That even though it's not always popular and there's going to be some times it's not well received by your kids, but that's going to be the foundation. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 and 15, Paul talks about this. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So from the time he was a youngster, his mom and his grandma said, this is going to be the foundation for your life. And there's a lot of things that we might get wrong, Timothy, but here's one thing we're gonna get, rock solid, dead solid right. This word of God is gonna be your compass. And I'm thankful for a mom that emphasized the Bible in my life. She took me and my three siblings to Sunday school, church, youth group. She took us to vacation Bible school and she made sure all of us went to camp every summer. I can remember as a kid reading my Bible at night because of how our family valued scripture. The Bible was the foundation Now, it took me several years before I truly appreciated all that my mom had done to emphasize that. Some of you moms will understand that. You feel like you've been planting seeds and you've been watering and you're watching the ground spiritually and your children and you're hoping and anticipating something to grow and nothing seems to be happening. Well, sometimes it takes a legacy a while to take hold, so don't give up and don't be too hard on yourself. Fred Craddock, well-known minister and author, tells a story about a woman who came up to him after a church service to tell him her testimony. She said when she was a freshman in college, she got to the place where she was so depressed and so lonely that she decided to take her own life. She went to this bridge that was not far from the college where she attended, and she stood on the edge, and just before she jumped, she said in her head, she heard, cast all your cares on God. For he cares for you. She clearly, she said she clearly heard those words in her head, and it caused her to step back from the edge of the bridge. In fact, those words took her on a path which eventually led her to surrendering her life to Jesus Christ. So she's telling the minister this, and he asked her the simple question: Well, where did you learn that Bible verse? And she said, I didn't know that was a Bible verse. He said, well, where did you learn it? Where did it come from? Did you go to church growing up? And she said, no. And then she paused for a moment and thought, well, actually, when we went to my grandmother's house over the summers, she made sure we went to church, and she made us go to vacation Bible school, to which the minister said, there it is. That's when it happened. Mom, you keep being faithful. Don't you quit. You keep making God's word the foundation. Don't doubt what God can do through you to leave a legacy of faith. I see that all around this place. When I took the position as lead minister here at Northeast, I was so impressed by the Northeast elders and their desire to do God's will for this church. These were bold leaders who were willing to take bold steps to make disciples and reach the next generation with the gospel. 
And I saw this, this tenacity, this, this deep sense of faith play out in April of 2014. It was then we faced this significant financial challenge. We had numerous meetings with the bank to work on solutions. But the very first thing that the elders did was to pray. And I don't mean we had a prayer meeting and that was it. We committed to pray every morning at 6 o'clock, calling out to God wherever we were to provide for the needs of the church. You may have heard Steve Smith. He says it often about our elders. They are leading Northeast forward on their knees. And that's a picture of humility before God. You know, our elders have prayed for over five years before God gave us freedom from our debt. Where do you think humility and faith like that comes from? It comes from a biblical foundation that many of these men got from the very beginning of their lives. Gary Gregory wrote this about his grandmother. He said, my grandmother, Mim, was the one who made sure we went to Sunday school, church, and Wednesday night service. My grandfather didn't attend church, but Mim made sure it was a big part of my life. Listen to what he says. It was through that that I became a Christian and have God in my life today. Keith Parrish, who's our chairman, he wrote this. He said his parents agreed that they would go to church faithfully once a year on Easter. But he said when he was eight, God put it on his mom's heart to take her children to church. And the family started attending a small church without his dad. But after several months, his dad started attending the church with him. And Keith said, and I quote, I remember my dad accepting Jesus as his savior and getting baptized a few months later. And then my brother and my two sisters within a year. Of course, it would take me another two years. My, mom, my mother taught me the value of obeying God's voice. Her obedience changed our family for all eternity. And Todd Stoltzfus wrote this about his grandmother. My grandmother was a prayer warrior. She had a huge family with lots of children and lots of grandchildren, but I knew she prayed continuously for me as she did for everybody else in the family. And when she said, I'll pray for you, you knew it. She talked about Jesus every time we saw her because she wanted every one of us to know him. She was the most godly woman I've ever known. These were just some of the legacies that our leaders have received. And it influenced the legacy that they're living now and passing on to the next generation. So moms, don't grow weary. Keep planting, keep watering, and keep praying. The legacy of faith that was passed down to Timothy was marked by two things. A love for God's word and a living out of God's word. They put it into practice. They didn't just love it, they lived it. Paul references this in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, verse five. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. This word sincere that Paul uses here means unhypocritical. It's not an act, it's genuine. Sincere doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean you won't sometimes lose your temper. Sincere doesn't mean you won't be, you have difficult days. Sincere doesn't mean perfect. It means not pretending to be perfect. That's what it means. Do you want to harden 
your kids' hearts spiritually? Just pretend like you're perfect. Just make it your goal to impress everyone else around you with what kind of mother or father you want them to think you are. But don't worry about what your kids think. That will make a hard-hearted heart pretty quickly. Sincere doesn't mean being perfect, but it sometimes means humbling yourself and repenting and saying to your kids, I'm sorry. I talked to God about this and I'm asking for his help to make me more patient or make me more kind or more gentle. If you want to be a sincere spiritual person, humble yourself and show your kids what humility really looks like. Paul says this faith lived in them. In not just Timothy, but his mother and his grandmother as well. In other words, it wasn't just something they taught Timothy. It was something that they modeled for him. It was in them, and ultimately, this was their legacy for him. This is how a legacy gets passed on. It's not just what you believe, though that's important. It's what you live. Maybe you receive that kind of legacy, or maybe not. Now, I think about some of the things that my mom said to me when I was a kid. You know, things like, wait till your dad gets home. And that would just send terror down my spine. Or she would say, keep doing that and your face will freeze like that. Or my mom was known to ask this question uh, often of me. If all of your friends jumped off the bridge, would you? And then one time my mom said, you could make Billy Graham swear. I was a handful, uh, to say the least. Those aren't the things that I remember the most about my mom, though. The things that she said that resonate with me even still today were the times she said, I'm proud of you. Or one of the hundred million times she said, I love you. I have a great mom. And mom, if you're watching, I just want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. I'll talk to you later this afternoon, but I love you. I'm so grateful for you. You know, not everybody has a mom cheering them on and encouraging them to be all that God wanted them to be. You know, some moms actually say things like, you're not as pretty as the other girls, so you better work harder in school. Or, let's be honest, your best isn't good enough. I wish you'd never been born. Or I wish you were more like your brother or your older sister. These are terrible things for someone to say to another person, but it's even worse when it comes from a parent. Maybe you were on the receiving end of comments like these from your mom, and I just want you to know I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That's not the way God designed it. On this day, we want Mother's Day to be a day of grace, a day of honoring moms, but maybe that was the legacy you received. It was negative criticism. It wasn't positive encouragement. It was tearing down. It wasn't building up. It was harsh. It wasn't gentle. But remember, the legacy you leave doesn't have to be the legacy you received. This is the difference the gospel makes. Well, Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.16, the responsibility of the godly legacy you receive is to fan into flame. You've been given this ember. What are you going to do with it? You're going to fan it into a flame. 
it become, it's, it's become kind of popular these days where we look back on our childhood and we use that as a way to justify our current struggles and challenges and failures. We say things like, well, maybe this is true about me, but the reason you gotta know is it, that it's true about me is because my mom did or didn't do this or my dad did or didn't do that. And we find a way to blame our parents for our bad behaviors. You know, that's not original with us. Our parents probably did that with their parents, and I promise you, your kids will do that with you. I know some of you may have faced far greater struggles growing up. You faced abuse or abandonment, and I'm not talking about you when I talk about this. That's tragically not fair. And my heart goes out to you. And if there's anything we can do for you, I hope you'll reach out. There's a lot to work through when you go through trauma like that. We just want you to know you're not alone. But I do know this. There are a number of you who are watching who have had parents who loved you imperfectly. They had their flaws. They had their scars and warts. But they did the best they could to point you to Jesus and they gave you an ember. But you keep focusing on their faults or what they could have done better. Could they have done better? You bet they could have. Are there things they wish they could have done differently? I promise you, as a dad of two amazing daughters, I wish that I had had a few hundred mulligans so that I could have had a bunch of do-overs on things that I wish I could have had a second chance at. But there's a lot for you to be thankful for. And there are people in your life who when they hear you complain about your parents, it just makes them angry. Because they would have given anything to have the kind of home that you grew up in. So you were given an ember. And it wasn't perfect, but there's a spark there. You focus on that spark. You be thankful for it. And moms, on this weekend, keep focusing Keep giving attention to your kids, though it doesn't seem like it's making much of an effort or much is happening as a result of it. Don't quit. Let me close with this story. My dad grew up in a home where his dad had a problem with gambling. The family went oftentimes without. They just didn't have it there because his dad had gambled his paycheck away. My dad's mom, as I mentioned, my grandma Wilkie, she was a woman of great faith. She invested spiritually into her children so that they knew Jesus and knew how much he loved them and what he had done for them. My dad grew up with competing legacies in his home. Eventually his dad, though, would abandon the family. He would leave Iowa and eventually move somewhere in Florida to live. From that point on, My dad grew up in a a single-parent home with a single mom. He'd eventually graduate from high school. He joined the Navy and and got out of the Navy. He went to trade school, and then he moved back to Iowa. It was there that he met my mom, and they married, and then I was born. One of the great blessings of his life, I'm sure. 
And then my sister was born, and then my next sister, and then finally my brother came along. My mom took us to church, and though my dad didn't go, probably because he wasn't focused on the good legacy, he was still focusing on the bad legacy. Even though he didn't go, he would often reference the Christian influence that his mom had in his life. When I was in the first grade, my mom convinced my dad to go with us to visit a new church. It was a church plant. After visiting there a few times, the minister of the church came and visited my parents at our home. And shortly after that, my parents became part of the church. From that point forward, God was a key part in my dad's life. Years later, after graduating from high school, I heard God's calling to preach the gospel. And I think, I know in my heart, I believe it with all of my heart, that I'm here today because of an ember that my grandmother gave my dad and an ember that my mom gave to me. Both those women never gave up. Do you want to leave a powerful legacy? Mom, Don't ever give up. Keep focused. God's going to meet you where you need. His grace and his mercy are more than enough. So stay focused on him. The legacy we receive doesn't have to be the legacy we leave. But listen, the legacy you leave will be determined by who or what you focus on. So let's pick good legacies to focus on. And let's leave a legacy of faith as a spiritual inheritance for our kids and those around us who know us. I'm so thankful that you joined us this Mother's Day. And again, Mom, I hope today is a special day for you. We miss you all so much. And we look forward to when we're going to be able to meet together again. Please stay close to our social media platforms and our website for upcoming uh, updates about when we are going to be reopening. Those will be coming very soon. In the meantime, we miss you and God bless you. As you know, Mother's Day looks a little different this year. And as a church, we miss celebrating with you. But we wanted to do something in honor of all the women in our lives. We have made a donation to Greenhouse 17, a local nonprofit here in Lexington that works with women and children who are victims of domestic violence. If you would like more information on Greenhouse 17, visit the link on your screen. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in with us today. Be sure you're staying connected by following NCC Lex on all social media platforms. Also, if you'd like more information on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, drop us a message on social or just shoot an email over to notes to at nccleggs.org. You guys have a blessed week and we'll see you soon.